How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Up top to Inglesley, Australian tries with the right hand, gets caught in the air, throws out to the corner to Joe Johnson, resets Ingles in the corner, whap! Three ball, Joe Ingles! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 12th of December. How are they possibly doing this edition? Both the Jazz plus two other NBA teams that deserve that as well, looking at that recognition, plus Rudy Gobert's continued development as he beats down on DeMarcus Cousins. It's all coming up on an early Monday edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Awfully nice little stretch here for the Jazz. This is the softest part of the schedule they've had all year, and they're generally doing a pretty good job of taking advantage of it. So these next two are enormous Wednesday and Friday uh, to keep that going. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, the part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Glad to have you aboard. We do this podcast each and every day for you, usually early in the morning. Some days a little later, but right around now. And let you grab it at your lunch hour or listen on your or your walk at lunch or grab it on your drive home. Or maybe you get it on the way to work in the morning. Maybe you just listen while you're at work. Whatever you do, uh, I do greatly appreciate it uh, very much. Uh, Jazz do have holiday ticket packages available for you. Go check it out at Utah Jazz. Uh, com. Today's show is brought to you by Jamalto, Dan Spence and the crew over at Jamalto, as well as Bet DSI. Those are your two sponsors for today's edition of Locked on Jazz. I uh, hope to have some really good Locked on NBA this week. In fact, going back and forth with Kevin Pelton and going back and forth with one of our scouts. So that's the, the hope to get those two uh, out for you here sometime. This week on Locked On NBA. All right, we always start off with pins across the world. That's where you send me a quick little note at dlock09 at gmail.com. And share with me uh, your story on how you became a jazz fan and uh, where you are that you're listening from. So here is Trevor Warburton. Uh, I've been meaning to write a while. I've been getting to, I'm just getting to it now. I love what you do and all the great analysis information you give us on the Jazz. I have to admit, I was nervous when I heard Hot Rod was retiring, but you've done a fantastic job. I was too. I first started following Jazz as a kid uh, with my dad in Grouse Crick uh, in northeastern Utah. He said it's pronounced Crick. Uh, not on a lot of maps, very small town. We only had two television channels, and so didn't uh, get to watch much, but we followed when we could. When I was about 11, we moved to Paradise, Utah, slightly larger town south of Logan, where we could watch more channels, and many of my friends were also jazz fans. One of my favorite Christmas presents was a pair of jazz tickets. My dad and I got uh, to a game for the first time. I don't remember a lot about the game, except that we were sitting up way high, and I loved it. I remember the jazz losing to Houston 
the year Houston won the championship and Stockton shot as well as the agony of the two finals. I taught high school math in Colorado and I tried to preach jazz fandom to all Nuggets and Laker fans there. Five years ago, we moved to Salt Lake for a PhD where going to games had been easier, even on a college budget. And I started taking my own kids to games. Now we're in West Jordan. I loved following the jazz through the up and down years. And I'm really excited uh, about the next year. So put your pin, uh, although it, I go with Grouse Crick or Paradise, probably in Western. Trevor Warburton. All right, so I have to share a personal story here, if you don't mind, Trevor. Uh, I always thought I was a sociology, political science major, mesmerized by the culture, subculture of small towns uh, and small groups. Uh, So... And then also actually had kind of planned out this whole thing about how it also kind of relates inside uh, inner city uh, gang culture and some parallels actually to the two. It was this whole idea I had of – but this is not crime-wise, just staying in, in the group. And, and one of the things that I was very mesmerized by, Trevor, was the idea – of how hard or easy it is to leave a small town. So very interesting life you have. I'd be, I mean, I'm being very simplistic. I obviously did a lot more research on this. Um, but, you know, there's a culture, right? We all live in the dominant culture. And then the smaller your group gets, your subculture is able to override the dominant culture we live in. I mean, our state has a different standard than the rest of the country. And so therefore, you know, that culture. And then as you get even more, you get smaller, like individual. It's, it's also why, so individual, uh, you know, I don't know, I could almost go with a ward or something, but communities have their own little culture of what's acceptable. And it's also why smaller groups can go awry, right? So as that culture, that smaller culture develops more and more strength, then the impact of the dominant culture of the wider, bigger picture culture has less and less influence. So that's one of the things that mesmerizes me about small towns. It's also very interesting what happens inside, but it happens all the time, right? I mean, um, if we use the Mormon church as an example, we have all sorts of examples of that, um, that, you know, break off groups. Just I'm using it because it's a local example. We have it in every other also, uh, so anyway, this is a side note. I'm way too sleepy. I haven't had nearly enough coffee to hold this complete conversation. But Trevor, that's very was something that's always been interesting to me. So one of these days, you'll have to tell me your story. But to be to me, going from Grouse Creek uh, to PhD in Salt Lake City takes a, a guts level from my research that is something remarkable. Uh, so congratulations. All right, let's get to our tip-off story of the day. I'm blown away by what Quinn Snyder, the Jazz roster, has done top to bottom uh, and the fact that this team is sitting where it is right now. Uh, We're currently the seventh playoff team in the West. Uh, We're pretty set, I think, on the playoffs. We're five games ahead of the Lakers. And probably, importantly, we're, I don't know, eight and a half games ahead of the Pelicans or five and half games ahead of the Nuggets, which are probably the teams that are going to be ninth. Uh, the eight playoff teams in the Western Conference are pretty well set. And the question is, can, where can the Jazz get to? Can the Jazz get to five so they get the Rockets in the first round of the playoffs? 
can they get the Rockets are tied with the Clippers, frankly, and I think the Rockets are heading in the right direction. The Clippers are heading in the wrong direction. Uh, there are three teams in the West that are equally as impressive to what the Jazz have done, and we'll talk about them in a second. Uh, but from a big picture, uh, if you were to tell me that the Jazz were completely healthy this year, completely healthy, no injuries, just or, you know, the traditional Nick here or there, uh, and maybe somebody missing a few games that they've had so far, uh, and you were to tell me that the Jazz were 15-10, and 10, that they would have won eight of their last ten, and that they would have a net rating, offensive rating of seventh in the league, a defensive rating of fifth in the league, and that they were one of three, four teams now in the NBA that are top ten in both. Uh, I would be blown away if you told me that on December 12th, that's what we'd be talking about. Uh, that's that's incredibly impressive. Uh, and then if you dug in even deeper and kind of told me that there was very few flaws uh, to what was going on with the team. In other words, they're the sixth best shooting team. They're the eighth best team to get to the free throw line. After the other night, they're now 12th in turnovers, but they were top 10 at that. There. So they're above average in the four factors offensively in every category but one, which is that they don't get offensive rebounds anymore. And that's intentional because last I checked, they're the number one transition defensive team in the league. And then if you were to flip it over and tell me they're the number one team defending the shot, they're the eighth best team at keeping people off the free throw line, they're the 10th best team at defensive rebounding. And the only thing that they're not above average at is forcing turnovers which they're intentionally not doing because of the way they play defense and who Rudy Gobert's and I would say yeah we probably need to be a little better than 29th at times that's a little too low there needs to be a little bit more aggressiveness uh, to what we're doing we're playing a little bit of a dangerous game there but Orlando's playing the same dangerous game uh, and it you know it's pretty good we're top 10 in three of the four defensive four factors. Uh, That's, you know, kind of a weird way. The Clippers are that. They just foul too much. Okay, so the Clippers are the another defensive team. This is kind of my point of what here is it's sustainable. You don't have one thing uh, that's heading out in a direction. The San Antonio Spurs are probably the best balanced defense. They're 13th against the shot, 9th in free throw rate, 10th in turnover, 7th in uh, rebounding. So they're they're pretty darn good. The Memphis Grizzlies are the sixth best against the shot. They foul you the most of the NBA. They're sixth best at turnovers, and they're the second best defensive rebounding team. Uh, by the way, fouling is bad. Forcing turnovers is great. And if that's the yin and yang you're playing with, it's right. And Charlotte is the 10th best defensive team against the shot. Number one in not fouling number 27 in turnovers and number one in uh, grabbing defensive rebounds. Again, they're doing that on purpose. Detroit's right around there, too. The same strategy. Third best against the shot. Tenth best at not fouling. Fourth best defensive rebound. And 25th in turnovers. There's a the Charlotte and Detroit are under the same school of thought. It's the Van Gundy school of thought. And the Jazz are really following that model. Uh, defensively. So if you were to tell me that all of those things were to be where we were at on December 12th, 25 games in the season, without any injuries, I'd be really pleased. I'd say we're good. Wow, that's good. What has happened instead is somewhat mind-boggling to me. The Jazz have played 12 games. They've played one game this year. One game all year. With their starting lineup. One. 
They have played 11 games missing a starter. They are 9-2 and two in those games. They have played an unbelievable 13 games missing two or more starters. They are 5-8 and eight in those games. They're 4-6 and six with two starters out, 1-1 one one with one, three starters out, and 0-1 oh and one with four starters out. Okay, they're 10-2 and two if they're missing one starter or less. And they're 5-8 and eight when they're missing two. They have played more games without two starters than they have with only one starter missing. Two or more, right? I've been trying to do a comp on this to where the rest of the league is, and unfortunately what I'm relying on really is game notes from teams to list their starting lineups the way the Jazz do, and a lot of them don't. Boston, who people are talking about being oft injured, has not played a single game with more than two starters out because nobody rightfully has to do that except for the Jazz did this year. They're 7-3 and three when they have their whole lineup. They're 3-1 and one when they have one starter out. So they're 10-4. and four. We're 10-2. and two. And they're 3-5 and five when they're missing two starters. It's incredible what – and I don't I, – I, I, the, the coaching staff, I, I get nervous here. Um, I want to credit the coaching staff because I'm around them all the time. I see the work they're putting in. I see the incredible preparation. I see what this group has done. And so I think they're very – and they've created the culture around this – to have the players continue to play. So I think they're very deserving of that. But I'm going to, in a moment, I'm going to run through some of the players that have just what what were, what amazed me as well. Uh, first, I want to tell you about Jamalto. Uh, Jamalto is uh, a data security company, digital security for you, more than data, just all kind of aspect of things, uh, technology, uh, deliver you know incredible range of technologies and services to business. And what they what they're doing uh, is I think really interesting. Is how do you protect your data at rest? How do you protect your IP? How do you protect uh, all the things that make your company unique that you don't want someone else to get? I mean, data is gold. Everyone's going after it, right? There's a gold rush. It's just a bad. It's a bad guy gold rush. So the breach is going to happen. The numbers overwhelmingly show that no matter what you do on the perimeter of your company, you're going to have a breach. And so what you have to do is you have to protect the breach. You have to encrypt your important data. You have to store and manage your keys, and then you control user access. This is what Jamalto does. Dan Spence is the regional sales manager in Utah, and you can reach him at 801-540-3024. That's 801-540-3024. Email him at dan.spence at jamalto.com. The breach is going to happen. You need to protect yourself once the breach does happen. Protect your critical data and have Dan Spence do it for you. Dan.spence at jamalto.com or 801-540-3024. So how have the Jazz survived this? Well, when the year started, one of my big points was I really liked this team 11, 12, 13, 14. So when you put the team together thinking Alec was going to play – you, you had your 11th guy was Joe Ingles, your 12th guy was Shelvin Mack, your 13th guy was Jeff Withy, and your 14th guy was probably Howell Meadow, in no particular order. And the 
the level of performance the Jazz are getting from these guys right now is exemplary. Uh, Joe Ingles is the leader of that. He leads the NBA in three-point shooting at 48%. Uh, he's... He's played. He's shooting 51% overall from the floor. He's hotter in December when we've needed him most. Uh, Quinn Snyder said to me the other night on the coaches' show that he really has. He's worked on his body. He's a physically different player than he was uh, prior, and that that is allowing him to play a more complete game. I go back to. I think I said this with to Ron on postcast, but I go back to that Miami game a few years ago. When he, uh, they just isolated him, went after him every single defensive possession, and it tried to expose him. And you just aren't seeing that happen at all anymore, in 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 any way, shape, or form. Uh, so now, not only do you have Joe's playmaking, uh, but you also have Joe with incredible shooting, and he's added to his shooting. I think we've talked about this on the program, but this is a guy who went from being a almost exclusive catch-and-shoot corner three-shooter to now being an off-the-bounce, above-the-break shooter. That, th- those are dramatically different shots. They, and by doing that, uh, this is even before he got hot the other night, going into uh, – these are my notes. from I haven't updated them yet. But going into the game where he was brilliant, his off-the-bounce three-point shooting has gone from 21% to 47%. His above-the-break three-point shooting, I believe, is over 50%. Last year was 32%. Uh, I talked to him about it. He was pretty nonchalant, typical Joe. But he just said, I pra- the two things that he actually kind of commented on is that he played with a national team, so he's kind of playing all year. He didn't mention the shape. That was Quinn. And the other one, interestingly enough, he said the Twins. Just that he goes home, and now all he's worried about is the Twins and how they are and how his family is and, and maybe a maybe a level of pressure uh, to perform for them, but also an ability to drop uh, the pressure and and not be as concerned. Um, You know, just the world's – the twins are what's important, so you can leave the bad game behind you in a way that maybe he used to grind a little bit. If you know his story at FC Barcelona, he really did grind. He really was – uh, almost kind of drove himself out of the game out of frustration. But it's remarkable. His usage rate is slightly up, uh, which is, you know, hard to do. Um, the other one is that's not probably being talked about is, is rim shooting. You know, he, he's always been very good around the rim. This year he's at 80%. So And he's shooting at the rim 20% of his shots, where it was 12%. So he's got better shots. He's shooting better shots. He's obviously hot. Um, and maybe he will be the number one three-point shooter in the league. I wouldn't put it by him. The work level he puts in is is really uh, tremendous. I know Shelvin Mack has drawn a lot of ire um, from fans uh, because he's not Dante Exum. Uh, but this is a guy that's been released twice. He's a second-round draft pick who really it looked like he had things going against him this year. And he's been really solid. We're plus 59 when he's on the floor this year, per 100 possessions, the defense rating is a 101.5. The offensive rating is a 107.4. He's not super. He's not a great shooter. He's not a, um, you know, wow, you guy. Uh, but he has a great feel for the game now, having been in the league for six, seven years. I think he was drafted in 20, I think graduated, originally drafted in 2011. He's 
Rudy Tomjanovich used to talk about he wanted players who've been through storms. Uh, you know, hey, here's a guy who's been released twice. So he's probably not as flustered by some things as some other people um, are. He was waived by the Washington Wizards in December of 12. He was waived by the Wizards in 2013. He was picked up on two 10 days and let go by the 76ers. He was picked up on two 10 days by the Hawks and then let, then signed for the rest of the year and finally re-signed that offseason. Uh, so, I mean, this is a guy that is is battling. Uh it's a free agent at the end of the year, so he's he's battling for uh, some recognition. And he's a guy who's always won, right? He's took Butler in two, two, three years of Butler. He, he, he plays a tremendous, loves the game, plays a tremendous amount of pickup, and or just kind of during the offseason. And you see it at the most important moments. He just kind of makes plays. Not a great shooter, right? He's forty three percent shooter, right? His career average twenty nine percent from three, a little bit below his average. He, he's not going to doesn't come out well on pack, but the fact is. Right now, when he's on the floor, we're better for it. Um, and that's the key when you don't have George Hill uh, and Dante is going through a natural struggle. The third guy I want to point out is Jeff Withy. Uh, and I don't mean to uh, – I, I thought – and Howell's just – I'm such a Howell fan. He's just such the greatest kid ever. And uh, his not, he won that game the other night. He changed the game uh, the other night. But Jeff Withy has really got – become a valuable, nice player for the Jazz. Uh, he's, you know, again, like, go to go to who we're talking about, what he, what he this is a guy who um, New Orleans decided to keep Omir Ashik and Alexis Ajinsa in front of him, and then the rest of the league didn't react. And so, you know, the Jazz get this guy on a August of 2015 on a basically on a minimum contract because the rest of the league isn't offering. I think, if I remember correctly, only like $200,000 guaranteed. And yet, here's a guy who right now is playing, I think, close to career-high minutes per game. Uh, And really giving the 9.4. Last year, was career-high 12.9 minutes a game. He's he's been solid around the rim offensively. He's been solid around the rim defensively. He's averaging a block a game. And, you know, if you're going to be, the vision of this was the, Favors and Gobert would combine for the minutes played uh, at the center position this year. And Jeff has done a a really nice job. In fact, teams are shooting uh, a lower percentage when Jeff Withy's on the floor than when he's off the floor, which is hard to believe considering Rudy's the other guy. And sure, it's hard to look at Withy and see his value because we're much better overall when he's off the floor than on the floor. But when he's on the floor, we haven't been terrible. We're minus one. He's not, you know, per 100 possessions, but he's done a really nice job. This gets me to my next point uh, on today's show. The sign of a of a great team, the sign of a really great team is that when everyone's off the floor, you're positive. If you look at the greatest team, that's when you have that, you're great. And right now, the Jazz are minus 0.4 when Hayward's off the floor and minus 1.7 when Gobert's off the floor. If the return to health can swing those two, then this team is, is really great. And actually, everything that every indicator is that this team is really great. That as it gets healthy, the run, you know, we're, we're two and a half back of the Rockets and Clippers. That's a lot on good teams. But there, there's gonna, we're going to make a run uh, 4-3 in the West here. And, and see if we can get there. Uh, 
I want to take a moment. I'm running short on time. I went longer than I want. i got to get the kids. Uh, I do want to tell you that if you love uh, getting into the action, you can check out BetDSI.com. They've been in the business for over 20 years, top-rated business. Uh, they've got horse racing, uh, which is my personal favorite that I have to be careful with. Uh, be honest. Uh, love it, love it, love it, love it. And you can do that there. Uh, you also can have hundreds of bets going on about uh, wagers of football and basketball to choose from. They've even got UFC uh, going on uh, in live in-game wagering on all football and basketball as well as major sporting events. So you can virtually play anything at BetDSI. It's BetDSI.com. 100% bonus on your first deposit. Plus, if you use the promo code JAZZ10, you get a $10 free wager. So you can do that, and uh, hopefully you'll start winning today. So go to BetDSI.com. That's bet. DSI.com, and you'll get your, with your promo code JAZZ10, you'll get your free wager and uh, hopefully start winning and see their fast and easy payments of winnings right away. Uh, I just want to take a second. Uh, it's going to be much shorter, and I'll do it deeper, dig deeper. Uh, the Rockets are 17-7 and seven and just are good. Uh, I think we, we've we've known that now for a little while, but I just thought I'd point that out. Um, they're 7-7 seven and seven against the teams above 500. The, the, the big jump you look at in the West is the Warriors are 11-3, and three, Spurs are 10-3, and three, Clippers are 10-3 and three against teams above 500, and then the Rockets drop to 7-7, seven and seven. the Jazz are 4-7, and seven. Blazers are 5-9, and nine. and then the two other teams that just deserve incredible credit here is Memphis is 17-8, and eight. They're seven and five against above five hundred teams. I, I don't know how they're doing it. They have no players right now, and the players they do have would not be classified as high level players. They've won six straight. It's it's truly remarkable. They're ten and four at home, seven and four on the road, and right now is when their schedule is supposed to get tough and it's all supposed to fall apart. But they've built themselves such incredible cushion that even if it does, they're probably fine. And Oklahoma City, I watched them beat Boston. Billy Donovan did a nice job against Brad Stevens. Uh, they were missing Victor Oladipo in that game. And they're just making plays. And they're doing – it's more than just Russ. It certainly is Russ, but it's more than just Russ. All right, that is Locked on Jazz for the day. Uh, and, and what I mean by that, by the way, is there's defensive plays here and there, key, key moments. Uh, Andre Robertson's defense was great. Steven Adams' defense was great. It's all rust maybe offensively, but the rest of the guys are just playing a really, really impressive game uh, across the board. Jeremy Grant, they're playing some five smalls. They're doing some interesting things. That is today's edition of Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.